I already shared with you a little bit about this new favorite costume of mine. This kid who dressed up as a shield agent who was just not out there to collect candy, but in many ways just wanted to acknowledge the younger children and the fun of their costumes. And I love that because there's sometimes a creativity in how we love on our neighbors. And we've been in this series now for quite a while about what it is to love our neighbors. And part of that is also starting to see who our neighbors are and acknowledge that it's not just the people who live next to us or across the road from us, but the people that we encounter in our everyday lives. And for me, I have really kind of started to challenge myself to open my eyes to who are the people. Last week we talked about people of peace, people who would be receptive or willing to listen, one who are willing to listen to us in general, but also who might be receptive to a conversation about faith. And this year, my family, we have we've hired a sitter. Her name's Bethany, and uh, she is a woman in her mid-20s, and she does not have a faith community. She doesn't have much of a faith. And we we hired her to watch our kids over the summer, and now she is pretty much an integral part of our family. She makes our life work. She picks my kids up who are at half-day preschool, brings them home, gets them lunch, gets them down for a nap, which is sometimes just a suggestion. Um, She then gets my oldest off the school bus, And she's there until I get home from work. And this just, she's become a part of our lives. And my kids love her. She is kind, she is generous with them. And at the same time, when I was interviewing her, doing all the, you know, okay, how how much experience have you had with children? Are you sure you can handle three kids? They're, They're a lot, they're active. I sensed something from her. And I think this was the Holy Spirit kind of nudging me. And she said something about a family that she had worked with. She really wasn't complaining. She just said, you know, they really just treated me like hired help. When I think about it, I'm like, you know, that would have been irritating because I'm caring for your children. I'm caring for the people who are most precious to you. There's a little bit more into this than just hired help. I pay you. Yes, you're a help, but it's more than that. And I thought, this, this woman needs us and we need her. It's been an interesting process for me to just kind of go, what, what's appropriate for me to ask of her as well as kind of engage in her, a friendship. And so this week, my husband was out of town, and I asked her to stay a little bit after, you know, and she was comfortable with that just so that I could get dinner started. And I said, do you want to join us for dinner? So we sat down and had a meal together and just had conversation as much as you can with three young children at the table who all want attention. But I think about this, these are small steps, but I'm trying to be like, how do I connect with this young woman? How do I make a friendship with her and earn the right to be heard in her life? She gets to see a family of faith up close. She gets to see our warts and all. So it's an interesting thought for me to actually literally invite somebody into my home and I share this just to kind of be transparent of it's it's not an easy process and we need to be intentional in it as well as flexible to roll with people as they are and also look for the presence of the Holy Spirit in those moments to go what does this person need to hear or what do I need to hear from them 
Because as, as we looked at a few weeks ago, what people who do not have any faith are looking for most from people who do have a faith is somebody who will listen to them without judgment. And I think we all want that. And so as we are digging into this again of what it is to love our neighbors, you know, we are offered this unique perspective in the world as Christ followers to be peacemakers. And sometimes we toss that phrase out without a lot of meaning. But sometimes you have to break a word apart to understand it. To be a peacemaker is to be a maker of peace, meaning we engage in the activity of making peace, not passively stepping away from conflict or just passively not engaging in conflict, but to actually seek to be a bridge builder, to be somebody who actually enters into the fray of conflict in order to bring peace. And that's a hard place to be because our world often encourages us to be bridge burners, not bridge builders, to write people off. They hurt me once, I'm done with you. To pull back, to isolate ourselves from other people because it's too hard. People are difficult. People are exhausting at times, aren't they? And sometimes they're relatives and they share the same name as us. And so you really can't escape them why some of us still want to sit at the kids table at Thanksgiving but we have this unique opportunity we have this unique opportunity to change the narrative because of our understanding of the teachings of Jesus we have the opportunity to be countercultural in the best possible way because we are invited to love our neighbors in a way that the world sometimes doesn't fully understand and that may be helpful because when they don't understand it, they make it curious about it and want to investigate it, want to find out more about it because it is so different. When others are burning bridges, we're building them. That's different. When people are talking bad about each other and we are lifting people up, that is different. And people pay attention to different. And we are called to love the people around us, regardless of who they are, what they believe, what they've done. That's sometimes really challenging for us, but Jesus digs into it. And, and we've been looking in the Gospel of Luke. Specifically, we've been looking at chapter 9 and chapter 10. And, you know, we started a few weeks ago with chapter 9, and now we're, we bumped into chapter 10 last week. Well, I want to jump back into chapter 9, where Jesus is, again, addressing the concept of what it is to love our neighbors. And he presents us with actually some categories of people throughout this passage people that we need to consider our neighbors, people who are worthy of love. And these categories for me end up being friends, outsiders, and enemies. Now this is an interesting list. So friends, outsiders, enemies. And so as we dig into chapter 9 here in Luke, we're going to start with verse 43, that Jesus is healing people. He's been traveling with his, his disciples and he tells them, this is what he tells them. I got to back up to read this. While everyone was marveling at all at that Jesus did, he said to his disciples, he's given them a preview of what's to come, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. So Jesus is giving them insight, giving them a, a preview of what is to come, which is that Jesus is going to give up his life. But... 
like it usually is. The disciples did not understand what this meant. It was hidden from them, so they did not grasp it. Okay, they didn't understand. A lot of times I read scripture and I don't understand it. That is not the problem. The problem is what they do next. They were afraid to ask him about it. This is their teacher. You're supposed to ask questions of your teacher, right? You ask questions, but they didn't want, we never look, want to look dumb, do we? But we actually end up acting dumb because we don't want to look dumb. So this is part of the challenge. Is that not that we don't understand everything in our faith, is that we don't seek to ask questions to understand it. It's not plain to us. We kind of, mm. and the disciples do this quite naturally. And so instead of understanding really what the magnitude of what Jesus is saying, and because they don't get it, they start doing this. They start arguing amongst each other about who's the greatest. Think about the context of this. Jesus has just said, I'm going to be handed over. I'm going to die, <laughs> in, in not so many words. And they're like, I call shotgun. I get to be first. I'm the special one. I'm the best. I'm disciple number one. Who gets to be special? Or who is in the best seat? My kids do this and they are five, four, and three. And so do many adults. We want to be first. And this is a very common human tendency. This is not out of the realm of human nature. This is totally in line with human nature here. And we get caught up in comparisons and hierarchies, and, and we do this even amongst our friends. And sometimes we do it in subtle ways and not so subtle ways. We kind of, you know, hey, I got, you know, I just bought this. I did this, I just got this. We either do one of two things. We either feel less than other people or we feel superior. And that either way is a problem because we are not in competition with one another, but we do this. We do this on social media. We do this when we you know, kind of post our best side, make sure you get the right angle, or we take multiple pictures and pick the one that we like best. And even then we might edit it a little bit. And I love the fact that we also do this in our friend groups, that you have that one person in your friend group that you all talk about, right? When they're not around, you talk about them. And it gets very judgy. And what Jesus does in this moment is actually to take it as a teachable moment. Shocker. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, Whom, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. So Jesus takes a little child, and we live in a world that celebrates children. So we're like, of course you would take a kid. They're cute, right? Not in Jesus' day. In the ancient world, children did not have a lot of value. They didn't have value because they couldn't contribute. They couldn't really work. So they were just a non-entity until they were able to provide something of value to the family. And so, you know, thinking about this, okay, that for us, then we need to translate a little bit. What is the modern equivalent for us? That may be people who are without homes. That may be folks who are low income. Those may be folks who have disabilities. It may be refugees. It may be immigrants. It may be the elderly. It may be young people. 
it may be individuals with mental health issues, and then you have all the isms, racism, sexism. There are lots in our society, and it sometimes depends on our context, who is considered the least of these, who are the lowest of the low. And this is who Jesus says we need to be like and who we need to welcome in. We need to look for the least of these and welcome them in lovingly because then you are the greatest in Jesus' eyes. It's not positioning yourself in the hierarchy, hierarchy above everyone. It's actually humbling yourself for others. So we look not to elevating ourselves, but looking for those who are overlooked. And Jesus calls us to love them deeply, to actually elevate them to welcome them as an honored guest, not just treat them well, but consider them neighbors worthy of love, and to challenge each other even at times when we seek to exclude neighbors. Again, neighbors are all those folks we encounter in our daily lives. So Jesus has had this one conversation with his disciples, and then we move into another one where he is tackling the idea of outsiders. So not only including the least of these, the people that we think less of, we now need to elevate up, but also folks that we don't even like to consider in our group. And so in addition to this, we see this incident where there is this idea of not one of us. Master, said John, we saw someone driving out demons and remember, we just stopped where Jesus kind of like, hey, you need to elevate the least of these. So I think John here is going for a little distraction technique, like, oh, we're a little embarrassed because we put our foot in our mouth, so now let's, let's tattle on somebody. Let's shift the attention. So John is going, Master, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. What is this guy doing wrong? His problem is he's not one of us. My kids are obsessed with Toy Story and um, particularly my son, Adam, and they have this moment where these are all these little aliens and you know, this one toy is dropped in the midst of them and they're like, one of us, one. You know, they kind of embrace him. And this is the exact opposite here, not one of us. This is an outsider trying to do the work of a disciple. Oh, how dare you? You tried to cast out demons. You tried to help somebody, how dare you? And you did it in the name of Jesus? You gave Jesus credit in this situation? Oh, the disciples are horrified by this. And again, they're tattling to Jesus about this. He's doing something he shouldn't. Punish him. No. Jesus says this. He's not an outsider. Don't stop him from you. Whoever is not against you is for you. Well, there's something countercultural, right? This is a challenge to our us versus them mentality. The disciples are not alone in this. We encounter this in the world. And I see this, I see this as a pastor with other pastors and other churches where we look at each other not as collaborators but as competitors. You see, there is many churches, but there's also just one church and one kingdom. There is one universal church called to do the work of God in this world because it is God's mission, not ours. And as much as I love this community and I love you all, we do not have a lock on it. There are many, many Christ followers out there doing 
good work in Jesus' name. And I want us to celebrate it, not condemn it, because we feel threatened. Okay? That's usually the situation. And so I think the disciples are in this of looking at this man as a competitor, not as a possible collaborator. He's doing the work that they are doing. He's giving Jesus credit. So whoever is not against you is for you. We need to stop looking at people so much as outsiders, as people who need to be welcomed in. Maybe we don't like the way that they do things. Well, is it immoral? Is it hurting somebody? Those are different than you don't like the way they do it. Um, I know I'm going to offend somebody. There are many ways to load a dishwasher. You do need, not need to go back and fix it. And we take this into all sorts of areas. We take this into our workplace. We take this into, you know, even the way our neighbors cut their lawn. We pick fights for stupid reasons, and then we pick fights for really big reasons. But just because someone doesn't agree with us doesn't mean that they're against us. We have a difference of opinion. And in this very diverse, very interconnected world, those who do not actively oppose you or your values can be considered allies or supporters, can be considered neighbors, can be considered friends. And while we may not agree on everything, we can agree on the common ground. We can look for where we have common ground with people and to foster cooperation with them, to stop looking for the differences and start looking for the similarities. So whoever does not stand against us can help us achieve common goal and to make positive change. We are better together. The man the disciples are tattling on here is doing good things and giving Jesus credit. There is nothing wrong with that. We need to look for building bridges more than tearing them down. We need to look to build people up rather than tearing them down. Finding that common ground rather than the differences and consider them neighbors because Jesus considered them neighbors and he considers them worthy of love. So we have friends, we have outsiders, and we have enemies. This is the really fun one because we start to read um, that Jesus now starts to set out for Jerusalem. He is heading, he kind of, he's given the preview. I'm going to go to my death and his death is going to take place in Jerusalem. So as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He has set his face to head there. And he sent messengers ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. Now, to understand a little bit of history here is that the Samaritans, it's that green line, is kind of in the middle of Samaria. And it sits smack dab into what was ancient Palestine. And so that red line, that arrow going down, goes from the um, region of Galilee straight to Jerusalem. Now, a good Jew wouldn't have taken the direct route. They would have avoided Samaritan territory because there's this historic fight going on. And so as Jesus is setting this travel plan, he sets up, you know, the map to go there. He's going right into territory where there is this feud continuing to go on between these two groups. Jesus wants to go through enemy territory. And what ends up happening is the people. Remember, Jesus sent some messengers on ahead to prepare for him in this territory. 
And the people there did not welcome him because they knew that he was heading for Jerusalem. We know you're heading somewhere we don't like. We don't like you. And it's, you know, this is very pervasive. And I love and hate the disciples' response because it's so human. When the disciples, James and John, these are brothers, and they were called um, sons of thunder. When James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven and destroy them? Not a sharply worded email, but how about some fire from heaven on them? This is their response. These people don't like us. They're not welcoming us. Let's crush them. Let's destroy them. Jesus' response, good old rebuke. Never been rebuked chastised, challenged, corrected. Jesus' response is to rebuke them, to put them in their place. Then he and the disciples went to another village. Okay, this is the response that Jesus has even to opposition to him. No, we'll, we'll move on. It's okay. We don't have to crush them. We don't have to call fire down from heaven. I, I know that'd be a cool trick, guys, but not appropriate doesn't fit with my overall brand here y'all so Jesus and remember Jesus is on the way to the cross this is his his journey towards Jerusalem towards his own death he's getting ready to show the world what love looks like in the most sacrificial way and that even those who appear to be our enemies should be considered neighbors we shouldn't strike back against them so thinking about these three categories, friends, outsiders, enemies, that these are categories of neighbors in our lives. This is how we redefine who neighbors are and who I want us to think about these, these categories for a moment. Like, Who are the people in your life that may fit into these categories? Who maybe is the least of these? Maybe they're in your friend group. Maybe you know people that are the least of these and you may have not treated them well or not treated them at all who are the least of these that you encounter in your everyday life that need to be elevated up who need to be acknowledged recognized shown that they are worthy of love who has the world discarded that we need to welcome back in who are the people that you and i and others have labeled as outsiders have you assumed sometimes that somebody is against you without really knowing so often we cast somebody in the role of our nemesis and they probably had no clue i remember in college my one roommate she had a, a class with this guy that she called the guy who looks at me with such disdain now who knows he could have indigestion but she viewed him as an enemy because of the way he looked at her you know, i've done the same thing i've been irritated by people just the way they breathe. Who cares? So who do we need to kind of humble ourselves with? Because that's the point. When, when we look to the least of these, as we, we get down there so that we can bring them up. Who we've always looked at and said, oh, they're not right. That's not right. Again, is it immoral or legal or it's just what it is. I have conversations sometimes with, with young people about career choices, and it's, they're like, oh, I want to pick the right one, and it's like, there's no real right or wrong one. There's one maybe more suited for you. But unless you are going to go into human trafficking, you're probably okay. There's a lot of honorable work out there. 
But so often we categorize better, worse, that, and we treat people less than rather than how God sees them. He sees them as beloved. He sees them as worthy of love. And that's hard for us because it does mean we have to let down our guard. We have to make ourselves vulnerable that we might not always be right. That's you all, not me, okay? Um, Seriously, though, Jesus is about transformation, not just our neighbors, but us as well. See, in loving God and loving others, loving our neighbors, we are actually transformed by that love, that we will find ourselves stretching and growing in ways that we couldn't have imagined before. We find ourselves compassionate, empathetic towards people before that we could not even stand to be in the same room with. See, you aren't transformed by the sermons I preach. You aren't. You are not transformed by the songs that we sing. You are transformed by the love of God at work in you. You are transformed by the love of God at work in you. When we experience God's love and we experience God's love by loving others, that's where the magic happens, y'all. That's where we become people that we don't even recognize, that we didn't think we were possibly become, but people who are more loving, compassionate, joyful, caring. As followers of Jesus, our common mission is to help people know the freedom that comes from a relationship with him. And the best way that happens is when we seek to love our neighbors, regardless of who they are, what they believe, He challenges us to see them as he does, to see them as neighbors worthy of love, and to be willing, this is the hard part, to receive loving rebukes from each other in this. Sometimes we need correction. We need to hear, "Uh uh-uh, that's not the way we do things. Because disciples make disciples. And discipleship happens when we live as disciples among others. And the way that you know that you are a disciple Jesus gave it to us simply. They will know you by your love. They will know you as my disciples by your love. He says this later on in John to his disciples. This is the key. And discipleship happens when we live as disciples of Christ amongst others. That is contagious. That is viral. Because we are stretching ourselves to love others. And that causes us to have to lean more into God to lean more into the love of God. You see, I think so often our limitation in loving others are places that remind us to reach more for God. This is a quote that I've given you before from Dorothy Day. She was a a Christian, and um, her, her line here I think is so powerful. I really only love God as much as I love the person I love the least. I really only love God as much as the person I love the least. Who do we love least? Because they are loved by God, and we are called to love them. We can be transformed by this love, by his love, and we become agents of peace. We become those makers of peace in our everyday lives. And this world needs reconciliation. It needs it desperately. So let us celebrate Let us celebrate the love and the sacrifice of Jesus in our everyday lives by loving our neighbors well. Allow me to close our time together before we head into the remainder of our day is these words that come to us from 1 John. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. Let's not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. Let's not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. Allow me to pray for us. Gracious Lord, we come to you not lacking love for you because your love is poured out on us generously, that you give us the mercy that we need, that we are complete in that. It is sometimes, though, that we do not seek to experience your full love by loving our neighbor. So God, open our eyes. Open our eyes to the neighbors around us, the neighbors who are calling to us, that you are nudging us towards. Let us be makers of peace, people actively engaging in building bridges, not burning them down. God, allow us to be transformed by your love, and that in turn we may be reconcilers in this world. I ask this in the beautiful, powerful name of Jesus. Amen.